0: We welcome you to the 2021 Eschatology Series, a series that unfolds the power of ancient prophecies. Our series is based on the book of Revelation. Let's get started. Eschatology, Unfolding the Power of Prophecy. We're on number 62. The title is Babylon Has Fallen. I think one of the most confusing topics in our day today is understanding what exactly the modern Babylon looks like. Well, the best term that I can come up with is universalism. Also known as the Emerging Church or the Emergent Church. The Emergent Church is a so-called Christian movement of the late 20th and early 21st centuries that crosses a number of theological boundaries. Participants are usually described as Protestant, Post-Protestant, Evangelical, and Post-Evangelical, even the Liberals, post-liberals, social-liberals, anabaptist reform, charismatic, neo-charismatic, and post-charismatic churches. New members of this emergent church is the quote-unquote Christian-Islamic culture, as well as many of the other cultures that are in the world that are jumping in on this universal Christianized movement. We're going to take a look at that in just a few minutes. But first, let's read our scripture for today. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority. And the earth was illumined with his glory. And he cried out with a mighty voice, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place of demons and a prison of every unclean spirit, and the prison of every unclean and hateful bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the passion of her immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed acts of immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich by the wealth of her sensuality. I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not participate in her sins and receive her plagues. For her sins have piled up as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back even as she has paid, and give back to her double according to her deeds. In the cup in which she has mixed Mix twice as much for her, for the degree that she glorified herself, and lived sensuously. To the same degree give her torment in mourning. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen, and I am not a widow, and will never see mourning. For this reason in one day her plagues will come. Pestilence and mourning and famine and she will be burned up with fire, for the Lord God who judges her is strong. That's out of Revelation chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. Let's review the universalism that plagues the world of humanity. Here is a moment in God's timeline that will shake the foundation of any true indwell believer or bridal member of Jesus Christ. All through history, and even continuous history, we've observed the devil from kingdoms, empires, and governments, all rejecting God, his Son, and the indwell believers. Babylon's foundation belief is that of humanism. Self as God, and Satan's covert worship through philosophies and universal religions. It's no wonder why God is focused on destroying the wannabe structure of Nimrod and his babbling group of universalists. Keep in mind that the universalism humanistic roots appeals to the self-deceived idea of individual respect of all forms of religion. However, it must be noted that in dwelt Christianity, those who believe the power of the Holy Spirit and personhood of Jesus, lives inside the mortal bodies of born-again Christians. We are rejected from this elite club. Also remember that Satan is allowing individual thought and freedom of religion. But in the end, he will demand all to worship him and him alone, or else they will be put to death. To that I say, welcome to the community of Babylon, or should I say, welcome to the community of the Merchant universalist church. Allow me to explain the twisted building blocks of Babylon and Babylonian universalism. The best way to define this idea is universal reconciliation which is accomplished through all religious unity. From the beginning, the view has been that all human beings will be ultimately restored to the right relationship with a God, without existence of hell. The question is, what God? I've always thought it to be a little bit strange that the God at the top of this universalist movement, Satan, would push and deceive people into thinking there is no hell, when this is the place he will reside for eternity. Most resident historians typically see this term in association with authentic Christianity. What you're going to find in our study today is that the movement that is taking place through either covert or overt universalism that each group wants to terminate the term hell, damnation, or the eternal fire of those who resist Jesus Christ personally. Even though it's true that the liberal Christ-following Christians in the past years have adopted the universalist thought, you need to remember that in the first 500 years of the Christian church, members and groups began to adapt Babylonian thought. There was a thread of believers who embraced and maintained the refined doctrines of heaven and hell and the method of redemption from hell, and of course that is salvation through Jesus Christ. The movement was started by those who resisted the belief that true Christianity held to the requirement of receiving the indwelling life of Christ versus simply following Christ. The result of such morbid thinking was self-interpretation of Christ. If there is no true salvation by Jesus, indwelling life, the individual is left with the blending of their perspective and beliefs into classic Christianity, ultimately morphing into Christ following Versus indweltism. While it is true that the Greek definition of Christianity is Christ-follower, there is a huge difference between following Christ and being indwelt by Him, having Him live inside the believer. The Babylonian thought was that you could obtain Godhead utilizing religious gain or good deeds. With this sleight of hand trick from the enemy, he was and can replace the real Christ, who is Jesus, with a false antichrist, who might even reference himself as Jesus. Let's look at universalism at work. Is Satan's plan working? You bet it is. There are denominations, ministry leaders, and Christ followers adopting this ridiculous fable. In 1961, two historically known groups were merged to promote better universal thought and doctrines, the Universalist Church of America and the American Unitarian Association. Their campaign involved mass marketing An infiltration into all institutions, secular and faith-based. Was their plan successful? Well, not only was it successful, but you can also look down the street and see some of these churches slash denominations promoting such universalism. If you listen carefully, you can hear discussions, preachings, and reading of writings expounding all, will eventually be reconciled to God without exception. The penalty of sin is not irrevocable at the point of death, i.e., doctrines of everlasting damnation to hell are rejected. With the covert thought of theosis, which is all souls will ultimately be reconciled and conformed to the image of the Glorified Resurrected Christ. Let's review the Universalists and their five primary foundational beliefs. Number one, God is a loving parent and will reject no human. Well, that's an interesting thought when most of the book of Revelation is dealing directly with God rejecting all humans And evil spirits, including the triune of Satan, for not receiving God as the Father, Jesus as the Son, and the Holy Spirit as the personhood of God and Jesus. Number two, Jesus Christ reveals God's nature and is a spiritual leader of humanity and holds no Godhead position. This is one of their key misdoctrines. Most do believe that Jesus Christ existed. They trust history to at least that minimal mark. But the fact is they will not call Jesus Christ God. This is one of the key factors you need to watch for in discussions with universalists. Number three, humans are created with an immortal soul whose death does not end and that God will never destroy. This goes in line with number one that we discussed. The simple fact is, is that if they remove hell, the talk of Satan, demons, evil in the world, what remains is that all humans are good and deserve to go to heaven. One of the things that I watch for is the removal of the condemning factors found in the Old and New Testament as well as the book of Revelation. This Christianized positive possibility thinking is what is behind the deception of universalism. Number four, all religious beliefs and their prophets lead to the same God of the universe, thus universalism. Their view is not two mountains for people to climb. Their view is there is only one mountain, and the God at the top of that mountain accepts all religious groups, denominations, or individuals who simply have a different view of the theology of of the God who is at the top of that mountain. Authentic Christianity believes there's two mountains. Mountain number one is the one I just described. Number two is there's a narrow path on the second mountain, which is the primary mountain. Very few walk on it, and very few make it to the top. And at the top of that mountain is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Number five is, sin is a relative term, and God does not punish for sins, but only guides as a loving parent. Well, the only thing that I can say to that is, wrong. The scriptures are full from Genesis to the last chapter of Revelation. They are full with consequences of sin, And what will happen to those who do not receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior? When you mix all five of these together, you get universalism. Let's take a look at the latter rain movement. When we look at our culture today and some of the crazy ideas about Christianity that exist most historians believe it all was birthed out of this latter reign movement. In more recent years, the Pentecostal movement came to believe and lead in the ideas of Christian universalism, which all started through this latter reign movement of the 1940s and 50s. With the birth of the internet, Christian Universalism became the fastest growing religious movement of all times, and still is. It is estimated that most denominations are seriously contemplating, discussing, or debating the idea of joining this global movement. When you hear the terms like Evangelical Universalism, Charismatic Universalism, and liberal Christian universalism, all pockets or types, house some of the world's top Christian leaders and ministries that have bought into universal reconciliation. That is now classified as generalized or Christ-following Christianity. Satan's number one goal is to separate the difference between following Christ and being indwelt by him. That is a key deception that must permeate the world. Now let's look at the new Babylonian emergent movement that seems to be sweeping every country today. The new Babylon will be 100% emergent and universal in government, religion, and relationships. All thinking that they have taken control of their destiny through independence, self-love that excludes the true God of the universe. God is not fond of being excluded from what belongs to him. This is why he sends an angel of great authority to shout out, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place of demons and a prison of every unclean spirit, and a prison of every unclean and hateful bird. 14 14.16 tells us, In the generations gone by, he permitted all the nations to go their own way. After God permits all nations to go their own way, as in the case of all men who go their own way, self-destruction becomes... Imminent. The angel released during this time is about to perform an act of judgment such as never been seen before. If you thought some of the acts of revenge God conducted in the past were significant, this one is beyond all. He saved the best for last judgment on the system of governance that his enemy Satan used to abuse his son's bride. That's us, true born-again indwell believers. Even though it never left the hands of God, he's about to publicly lay claim to a universe that has been elusively stolen from him by the emergent followers of Satan. He will remove the most horrid and raunchy political and religious systems ever to exist on the face of the earth. This is not going to be a pretty picture. The fall of Babylon is going to be a highly public affair. The smoke of her burning will darken the heavens and shout out to the whole world that the great system of Satan took. Such pride is being destroyed. Simultaneously, the whole earth will be lightened, not by the flames of Babylon's destruction, but rather from the angel present to deliver such judgment. This magnificent angel is the full representation of the light of the universe, God himself. The light finally destroys darkness, all those who drank of Satan's passion of immorality and made a profit from the sensualities that he's been promoting through the generations. The Lord gives one more shot of calling his people out from this whore by saying, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not participate in her sins and receive her plagues. For her sins have piled up as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. He even grants these people an opportunity to pay the Babylonian system back double portion of what she, the system of deception, tricked them into. And what better way to do this than to jump ship from her own sensualities? Can you think of a better way to torture a graven leader than to leave that leader without followers? This is what is going to happen to the system of Babylon and its leader. Let's review who will grieve for this system. Now this is just a review from our scripture when it says, And the merchants of the earth weep and mourn over her, because no one buys their cargos anymore, cargos of gold and silver and precious stones and pearls, and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet, and every kind of of citron wood, and every article of ivory, and every article made from very costly wood and bronze and iron and marble, and cinnamon and spice, and the incense of perfume and frankincense, and wine and olive oil, and fine flour and wheat and cattle and sheep, and cargoes of horses, and chariots of slaves and human lives. The only people who grieve her burning are the seven continents existing and their kings and those who made money off of her immorality. But even though those leaders stand from afar watching her burn to fear her torment, saying, "Woe, woe, the great city, Babylon, the strong city, for in one hour your judgment has come, not realizing, of course, that they too will suffer burning that will last much longer than the hour, but for eternity, for willingly following her. It says the fruit you long for has gone from you, and all things that were luxurious and splendid have passed away from you, and men will no longer find them. So exactly why are these merchants grieving? Is it for the city of Babylon and its master Satan? Probably not. They quickly realize that their days of profiting from the immorality of Satan are coming to a quick end. Since they became rich by the alliance with Satan, they now face poverty like all they took advantage of. The love of money is truly the root of all evil which can be translated as the love of wealth is truly the root of Satan. This simple deception has run the world since the day of Nimrod. It says, and they threw dust on their heads and were crying out, weeping and mourning, saying, Woe, woe, the great city in which all who had ships at sea became rich by her wealth. For in one hour she has been laid waste. All their grieving and dust-throwing will not bring this satanic system back. It is finished, and so are they. In fact, it goes on to say, Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you, saints and apostles and prophets, because God has pronounced judgment for you against her. The only ones who will be rejoicing are the eternal bridal members of Jesus Christ. For they are given the privilege of watching their or our Father take revenge on the system that has abused, tortured, and made poor the true indwelled believers of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Payback is rich, and there is nothing wrong with indwell Christians taking great pleasure and seeing this bonfire torch, the worldly system, that fought against them for 7,000 years. Before we close, we need to look at the finality of Babylon. We'll talk more about this when we get to chapter 18 in our study. But know this, the key thing, is that this system and its roots in sorcery deceived all nations. Even from the Human Hebrew Dictionary, Sorcery means a spell from a witch. But from God's perspective, it means much more. Spell casting is a curse placed upon an individual without their consent. Satan was cursed the moment he fell from heaven. And he passed that curse on to willing followers by using a system of wealth and prosperity. That of the great Babylon which is what I refer to as world economics. This is why I step back from anyone I see or hear using postmodern prosperity doctrines to increase wealth while here on earth. While this system collects credit for the blood of prophets and saints, these so-called Christian universalists who believe in profiting from the devil's prosperity doctrines are becoming richer filling their churches and their pockets with thousands of followers adhering to the same doctrines of deception. In fact, such deception, without them realizing, will all end up in a pile of ashes. Well, blessings forever unto God, the fall of this system, that is, while guilty of horrid falsehood, deception, sorcery, and treason against Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the way, Satan forged his name, placed it on her gates, is now publicly humiliated. The not-so-funny thing about prosperity doctrines is they only work in a prosperous culture. And one shout from God through Christ or an angel puts an end to all who dare to live from her lies. In conclusion, take note of this. God has always had a remnant and always will have a righteous remnant here on earth until the consummation of all things. As we've learned, the beast had, for a season, yielded power to the great whore, but he becomes "'restless under her manipulation, "'restraint, "'and gets rubbed raw "'under the oppressive sway. "'This whore was incredibly wealthy, "'and the civil and apostrate power "'of the beast "'jealously desired her wealth. "'With this passion for wealth, "'the ten kings together with the beast "'slay the whore, "'cut her into pieces,' And eat her flesh for lunch. Remember our Revelation 17 passage. And it says in the ten horns which you saw. And the beast. These will hate the harlot. And will make her desolate and naked. And will eat her flesh. And will burn her up with fire. Have you ever noticed jealousy and fight for a rank that exists even in the hierarchy of Satan. Don't tell me that Satan is a god of unity, world peace, and harmony. He's a liar. Totally threatened by his possessed leaders and followers. Inevitably breeds destruction. And it is in this chapter of Revelation God details What that looks like. Thank you for joining us today. We appreciate you logging in and listening to this message. We hope that you join us again. Coming up next is number 63, the Great Hallelujah. But before we get into the details of the shouting of Hallelujah, we will be reviewing the judgments of the living God in our next message, this is my all time favorite chapter in the book of Revelation. We're about to study the marriage of the Lamb and the judgment of the nations that have come against her. Who is this bride? It is none other than those who have the indwelling life of Jesus Christ. So we hope that you join us for this special message on the marriage of the Lamb. Feel free to contact us if you have any questions. Until next time.